Hey, well, I'm so glad that we get to be here tonight. Uh, we've got a three-week series that we're doing on resolutions. And uh, it's been an interesting uh, conversation for me over the last little bit. Uh, Cindy and I were just talking about it before we came even, and she was letting me know kind of her perspective on, on the resolution thing too. But a lot of people that I've been talking to lately are looking at me and going, well, I don't do resolutions. I, I, don't, ah, I don't know about that. You know, like it's, it's just another part of the year. Do we really have to do all this? You know, and, and we downplay it a little bit, but on the other hand, there's so many places really, uh, that, that we need to embrace what this new year has to offer us. It's like the reset button, uh, that you get to reset a lot of the things in your life and just kind of start a little bit fresh. I, I know it's probably one of the most, uh, dis- despairing feelings, I think, is when we take down our Christmas decorations. Anybody have ever that moment where, like, all fall, my house exploded into fall. Like, Cindy's masterful at, once I bring out the bins at the house, boom, there it is, right? It's all over the house, and it's great, and our house is full and warm and smells like candles and beauty, right? It's just great. And, and, and then we go straight from fall, it's like we just layer on, and I know she gets rid of the fall stuff, but it feels like it's just layered on top of, like, all this Christmas stuff. It's just, oh man, it's so great. There's stuff on the handrails, and there's, like, our, you know, the, the, the mantle is full and bright, and there's, Again, more candles and uh, like just it's it's awesome. And you have this feeling of warmth and then you hit like the dead of winter in this place and we take all of our decorations down. And you walk in and all of a sudden your house that was warm and cozy and mm, so nice. Right. All of a sudden it's like this cold doctor's office. Now, no one likes the doctor's office. Right. And it's that cold feeling of like, ugh. So, you know, I was combating that this Christmas. I gave Cindy uh, the the gifts of comfort and time. Uh, That was the two things that we kept saying around the house. Um, I gave her uh, a new watch. I gave her uh, all of her old watches with new batteries. Ah, Right? So it's like another gift, really. And then I gave her uh, pajamas and blankets galore, among other things. But two really nice blankets so she can just cuddle in when it's feeling cold. And pajamas that she can just feel like the spirit of the season is still lingering on, right? And for a lot of us, we start thinking in advance, like, how are we going to, what's going to be our response in this new year? Is it going to be that cold feeling of, you know, it's just kind of like, ugh. Left out. I know for me, so much of my energy is pointed toward Christmas and then Christmas happens and you're like, sweet, that's how it was, right? This year I got up early and I set the time lapse on, time lapse on my camera. So it did like a time lapse movie of our whole Christmas morning. And um, it plays it way too fast. Because realistically, like this thing took uh, probably... I don't know. It was less than a minute to play what was like three hours of our life. And, and the more that I watched that and we watched it several times and it's funny to watch everybody like moving fast motion and you watch the piles go from under the tree to just big piles of gift wrapping and everybody's looking at their gifts and the girls were uh, interested at how much I stretched during Christmas because every time they'd see me on the camera I'm like they're like dad you're like the most stretched out guy apparently um but I watched and I started thinking you know 
honestly, that's the way I feel about the whole season sometimes. That it, I, I build up to it, and then that morning, it's just like, gone. And we get to the end of it, and I'm like, that was it? Oh, man. <laughs> and so we come to this place of reload, of resolution, of renewal. One thing that Cindy had brought up and I've heard a, a lot of people doing is as a family or as an individual, people that are taking like a word that they're going to live by this year, right? And, and for everybody, it'll be a different word. Uh, for some, it'll be joy. Some, it'll be, you know, work, you know, uh, for some of us, it'll be like more vacation. That would be great, you know, um, but it's that word you, you want to live by. There's, that's a big one. Uh, other people are looking and saying like, maybe it's not just going to be these big, you know, uh, year long goals. Like I'm not going to start something January one to December 31 and try and sustain it that whole time. Maybe I'm going to set some smaller portion goals. Maybe it's just like tomorrow would be good, you know, and then I'll see how I do the next few days after that for other people. They like to look at things in seasons, so quarterly they're going to analyze their life and, and decide how it's going to go. But whatever place and whatever form and whatever function, it's important that we realize like the world has given us an opportunity to press reset. Now, I'm an Apple guy. I enjoy Apple products. Uh, they don't pay me to say that. In fact, I pay them way too much money so that I can say that. Um, but one of the things that I love about uh, my Apple products is everything from the watch to the phone to the iPad, everything, even your computer, you can do what they call uh, a soft reset, a hard reset, or a complete, you know, full erase everything reset. Now, we don't get the opportunity. Wouldn't it be great if we could just erase everything? And come back and it'd be like, a whole new world. Like, that would be awesome, right? Uh, that's a way I would love to start every year. Uh, I'd have no debt. I would have no uh, awkward conversations that carry on into the new year. Uh, I could refresh, reload. I could figure out the people that I didn't want to talk to in the new year, that, that I did end up talking to in the old year. Like, that would be awesome. But but in our lives, we don't have that big of an opportunity. There's still things that carry in. In fact, a lot of people find discouragement on the idea that, oh man, this stuff still follows me into the new year. I can't get rid of it as quickly as I'd like to. You know, uh, you, you gain that 25 extra pounds in 2015. It still is going to be there 2016. Now it's your job to get rid of it somehow. Right. And the same thing with debt and jobs and relationships and all that kind of stuff. It comes with you. And so people get discouraged about their New Year's resolutions. And so uh, I just put down a few things, little statistics. Right. Um, did you know that one third of all New Year's resolutions made will be abandoned in the first two weeks of the new year? Right. And everyone like I, I always watch those. uh Oh, I don't know. Lately, it's been the, the commercials about quitting smoking. And it's like, I said I was going to quit. But then I had to take blah, 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 blah. Right? Because it's like the first two weeks in, we start, ooh, it's going to be awesome. And then we realize we're basically the same people, right? So then there's another statistic to follow that one up. Is that half of every New Year's resolution will be abandoned within six months of the beginning of the new year. And, and that's kind of an interesting one to me because... That says to me, like, 
there's half of us doing a pretty darn good job. Like, I wasn't so despairing at that. Like, for me, I think, you know, if, if, if half of us are doing okay, then darn it, we can do this. We can make it, right? And I want to give you some hope in this, in that uh, there's a lot of things that we can set out in front of ourselves that, that we can accomplish, that we can do. We don't want to make it like so simple, easy, that it'll be like, you know, well, I've decided that every day I'm going to wear pants this year. You know, it's like, well, duh. You know, so you don't want to have like simple deals, but you, you don't want to also over challenge yourself and be like, I'm going to figure out the problem, you know, with, you know, I'm going to solve the water problem. And actually God's going to do that because he's bringing lots of rain. All right. So uh, the big picture of this is we need to set measurable uh, things that we can attain reachable goals along the way. And one of the things that I just came up with uh, in my thought and, and my life was what's the place where I've, I've succeeded most often. And I started thinking through for me, Where are some of the places that I've succeeded most often? Where are the places that I can look back and say, that was the real deal. I accomplished that. And when I started trying to list those things, I got a little bit sad because I didn't have many. So I shifted gears. And because I'm the preacher, I can do that. And so I'm going to shift gears on us because what I started realizing is where every time I fail at something or I'm struggling with something... God always comes through. And, and God's resolutions, God's big picture of resolutions is way different, way better, way more true, and way more hopeful than I could ever hope mine to be. So I started making a list of some of, some of God's resolutions, things that he's promised and, and he's fulfilled in his life. He says things like this in Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. It says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And he's never let me down. There are moments when I've thought that he wasn't there. But then if I want to get mushy, I could say, then I looked back and there was... Only one set of footprints in the sand. And he said, that's why I was carrying you. You know, like, like those kind of deals. There's moments where I thought, where, where are you, God? But when I really look, his resolution to never leave or forsake me has been faithful and true. He, he resolves to guide and direct our every step according to uh, uh, Psalm 32, 8. He promises a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. I bring this up almost every time I mention this section of Scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11. Because we love the idea that He promises a hope and a future. But we don't like the idea that He was promising it to them after 70 years of slavery and judgment. But He says, I'll give you a hope and a future. And He never lets us down. He promises to meet all of our needs according to His riches and glory in Philippians 4.19. And when I consider the greatness and the riches and the glory of the mighty God, and I consider my place, He has been faithful at every step of the way. He promises to pick you up when you fail in 1 John 2.1. He says He will be our advocate when we are at our lowest. 
that He will stand in place for us and say, no, this one's mine. He promises that. There are time and time again, as a student ministry pastor over the last several years, um, I had students... I'm sorry, I'm trying to raise this. That doesn't happen often in my life where I have to make something taller. So, uh, thank you. Enjoying that moment with me. Um, Time and time again with students, I would sit and you've got these like eight, nine, tenth grade kids and sitting with them and, and they're just forlorn and distraught and struggling and saying, I don't know, I've messed up too bad. There's no way God could ever forgive me. And I'm thinking, you haven't even had enough time to screw up bad enough yet. Because ask your parents, you'll screw up a lot worse later on. And yet, He promises that in those moments where we feel at our lowest, that He is standing there as our advocate to say, He is mine. She is mine. They are mine. And He promises to finish the work that He began in you. Philippians 1.6 He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. There's something that we get hung up on in our lives uh, often is thinking that we're the authors of our own story, that we're the ones creating the storyline, that we're the ones putting things together and that we're the ones taking the steps. But he says, don't forget that I'm in charge. In fact, in Numbers 23, 19, it explains why his resolutions are real. It says, God is not a man. He does not lie. He is not human, so He doesn't change His mind. Has He ever spoken and failed to act? No. Has He ever promised and not carried it through? That's why God is God and I am man. I remember growing up in the house of a pastor. Uh, my dad was the pastor. It wasn't like they shipped me off to a pastor to grow up. Something you've got to clarify. Growing up with my dad being the pastor of our church and, and thinking like, well, this is the guy. Like, I'm focused on you. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you're going to be the one I have to ask. And, and there would be significant points in my life where my dad would sit down and he would look me in the eye. And, and sometimes he'd, you know, hold me by the shoulders to make me focus. He would say, Jeff, I will let you down. I'm going to punish you inappropriately at times and and for no reason because i'm having a bad day sometimes i'm gonna say things that i shouldn't say i'm gonna act in ways that i shouldn't act i'm gonna make mistakes and hopefully nothing that will damage our family in the big picture but need to know jeff that no matter how great a guy you think i am and a great pastor you think i am i will let you down so don't put that crown on my head and I remember that now as I'm raising my own family and as I'm pastoring a church and as, as we're leading, men will always change their mind. Men will always go back on their word at different times and people will always let us down. And the things and the people in our lives that we make God will always disappoint us and become our enemy. But what God says is faithful and true. So when I start thinking of resolutions and resolutions that I might make, I go immediately to the resolutions that my God has made on my behalf. I came across a pretty good story a little while back and just researching some of what I research. 
And I wanted you guys to check out this story before we move on. I'm a writer. I've been dreaming about writing the words that could change the world since the very first time someone called me a mean name, and I understood the incredible power words have. The world was my blank page, and I was the author of my own first-person narrative. When I start writing a story, I tend to start backward, because I usually know how I want it to end. The ending is always the most important to me. So I start with my happy ending, and then I start working on the beginning. And from there, the middle of the story is built. This was how I tried to live my life as well. If I wanted to get to the end, my beginning had to start a certain way, often meaning a drastic change of some sort. And from there, I could fill in the rest. Only this doesn't work so well in real life. It wasn't before long that I began to realize that the rest of the world wasn't cooperating with the story I'd been writing for myself. If I was my own protagonist, reality was my ultimate antagonist, the arch enemy of my story. The rest of the world rarely cared about furthering my story, let alone helping me to get to my happy ending. There were plot twists I never saw coming, and often when I finally made my way to what I thought might be the end, or at least an end, it was a hollow victory. It was never the end. It was never enough. For someone writing my own story, I felt amazingly out of control of the whole thing. For 24 years, I tried to keep moving forward. I'm a firm believer that authors are driven by two motives, the desire to be loved for their creation and the desire to be known through their creation. In my reality, my creation was myself, and it was neither loved nor known and I was ready for the story to be over. So I stopped writing the story, but something, somehow, kept it moving forward. I could only ignore the truth of it for so long. Someone else was writing my story. There was someone else writing the whole story, and I needed to know who it was. As I said, an author wants to be known through his creation. So I finally opened my eyes and started looking around me. I discovered it wasn't just me. There was so much more to take into consideration. I began to understand this author hadn't just made me, he'd authored an entire world. I started studying my author, looking back into my story and seeing something fuller, something I hadn't seen before. I had to understand what was going on. And then a friend one day told me I could stop studying him from a distance, and I could get to personally know him instead. But why would the author of the universe want to know me? It took me a while to truly understand that just like I love every character I've ever created, every effort I've poured on the blank pages of notebook paper and every moment I've spent lost in the fictional worlds I've created. The author of the universe loves me because he made me. So where did this leave me? Every day I wake up in God's story and I have a choice what role I get to play. Some days I'm the protagonist 
some days more of a supporting character. But one thing has become increasingly clear. I'm not the main character of this story. I'm his. And this is his story. In light of that, <clears throat> spent the first little bit kind of building our faith and pointing our eyes back to where our source really is. But I want to spend the next few minutes just um, kind of doing what I believe the, the call of this message is to do additionally. And that's to give us an opportunity to be real. One of the things about being part of Pipeline Church and, and doing this whole deal is Cindy and I, from the very beginning, said we're not going to do something where everybody can show up polished and, and, and fake. Like We want to do things where people have to get to know each other. So for a while, we've done this thing, four minutes of family, and people openly acknowledge that they hate that. Um, and uh, the, part of it is just because it's so freaking awkward to like, so uh, how are you doing? You look nice and sweater and new shoes. Great. Great. Praise God. You know, like there's so much small talk you can only do in four minutes. And then there's that other thing of like, I really want to talk to them, but I kind of stuck with them because and it's four minutes long and this is going to get really bad. And then if you do go over there and then you break their heart and they get sad and whatever. So we've, we've held off a couple of weeks, but it'll come back. Don't worry. Because I love heartbreak. Now, um, but, the, but the idea, though, is we get to these points. We get to these places where we need to be real. So we sit and we have meals together. Nothing more real than, than on one of our great nights we had ribs together. Have you ever sat and, like, that's not a first date food, right? <laughs> Definitely not. They're like, hey, uh, why don't I go have some beef ribs? That'd be awesome. Then I'll just pick my teeth the rest of the night, right? Like, nobody does that. These were nice pork baby back ribs, but by, by the way. But there, there's certain things you just do and you don't do, right? But in a setting where we've said we're going to be real, we get, we get under cold places with nice heaters, and we kind of cuddle together, and we have conversation. And then when we're done, we go home, and we celebrate that God has done something good, and He's given us a place to be real and to get to know somebody, and we're creating genuine relationship. But my, my thought, if there's a bottom line for tonight, in this, in this section that I've called, Let's Be Honest would be for us to critically evaluate our lives and measure whether we're imitating God or we're spiritually asleep. As we move into the new year, um, I feel like there's, there's so many calls on our hearts and our lives, things that we can do or things that we want to do, things that we know we should do or need to do as we move ahead. And, and there's this moment where we have to ask ourselves, um, am I really wanting to change or am I really hoping that there's just some kind of behavior modification that can make it look like I've changed? That's a big one. Like, can I figure out the, the right way to put on the right things and do the right things to make it look like I've got it all together? Or am I really asking God to renovate my heart? See, because that's painful. I, I hit this moment over the Christmas season where I realized my family, we have too much stuff. Anybody ever have that? 
They just realized, we got too much stuff. we got to give some stuff away. So we're telling all the kids, like, pick your top ten toys that you're just going to give away, that we're going to get rid of. Or we're gonna... I went through my closet and I cleaned out all the clothes that I haven't worn for like two years. But I look at them in the closet hanging there and I'm like, yeah, someday I'll wear that shirt. No, I'm not. Right? I went through and I started going through things and, and even our garage, we're, we're cleaning out a bunch of stuff and still in the process of that. But when you start deep cleaning, then you get into those moments where there's like nostalgic moments. Well, we can't give that away. Right? Cindy, a while back, had, and, and this was just this afternoon, it was kind of cool. Um, uh, she, we were cleaning one of the things out and she opens up this big uh, backdrop that she had made several years ago when she went to a big convention and kind of had a booth there and was selling stuff. And, and one of the things we did is we took pictures of our kids and our, our cousin's uh, family and a few others and, and we uh, printed them on this paper. You could like, you know, iron it on to the, this was before we knew you could do that, like realistically print on fabric. Um, and, and we made these, this cool backdrop. And so we, we put it out today and the kids were like, Whoa, look at that's my face. Wow. That's so cool. And they were seeing themselves as little tiny kids. And for a minute, I like stopped going from my rampage of, we got to clean all this stuff out to like, well, maybe we should keep that big piece of tapestry. That means that has no purpose in our life anymore at this point, but maybe we should, it feels right. And here's what happens in our hearts and our lives is God says, okay, you've surrendered to me. You want to, you want to do this thing. Let's do this thing, right? Now, here's what I'm going to need from you. I'm going to need for you to, to get this area cleaned up. Well, but there's some stuff in there that I really want to hold on to. There's this area over here that uh, Jeff, you've got a couple friendships that are bringing you down, but, but we, we've been friends for a really long time. I can't back down on my friends. God begins to show us places and, and it gets painful. So what we would rather do is create these resolutions that make us look like we're making changes versus actually changing stuff. All the while thinking we've got God fooled because we've got the people around us fooled. And God says this, I don't think this is the way it should be. I'm going to take you to Scripture in Ephesians 5, 13 through 16. And, and just read this on the screen with me. Not out loud, I'll read it to you. But it says, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that's illuminated becomes a light. That's why it said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. But be very careful then. How you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. If we can go back to the first passage there, verse 13, it says, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. When he's talking about us, he's saying, Hey, there's some places, there's dark corners that you've kept hidden, that we can keep hidden all our lives. There's stuff that you know about you that, that you can keep hidden all your life. You never have to let anybody know. It can tear you up inside, but nobody else is going to have the, the clue. And I'm not asking for you to start coming up and confessing. Like after, I'm not building a little box for that or anything like that. I'm just saying there are things that you and I can hold on to. And God's saying, I want you to be in the light. 
If you were with us from some, some months ago, we did the study in 1 John where, where he said, everything needs to be in the light. Walk in the light. Be people of the light. And I kind of picture the second half because everyone who receives that light turns into, the, remember glow worms? When you're a kid, glow worms, they love to play by day and glow at night. Yeah, all those things stick in my head. That's why I've got a messed up brain. All right. The glow worms, if you kept them in the light during the day, right, then at night you click this button and boom, they glow. And I kind of picture that. Like when we're in the light, we receive the spirit of God. And then when we walk into places of darkness, the light goes with us. And all that around is around us is illuminated. So we don't really ever find ourselves in places of darkness. Because he says, everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that's illuminated becomes light. You become the light in the dark. And when it says this, but when it said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. I, I have found a lot of conversations, uh, interesting conversations since we started this church back in May. And we started having meetings with people and we started having conversations about what it looked like to do church together. And here's a common conversation, especially among men. I go to church every week, but I don't really do anything. I'm not really a part of anything. Like I go there and I'm somebody sitting there, but I know I'm not doing and being what I'm supposed to be. And when, when we recognize that, when we hear that, and when I hear that in conversation, I want to say this, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead. Wake up sleeper. Don't let yourself get lulled into this place where while the world around you is struggling and fading, that you find yourself, ah, it'll be all right. We'll wake up tomorrow. I can handle that later. Because before you know it, you end up so far behind the ball, you're lost. And so the word of God comes to us saying, wake up, rise up, let Christ shine on your life. Be very careful. And I, I use this a lot in talking to students because I still do this a lot where it says, then live not as unwise, but as wise. Over and over, if you read Proverbs, there's challenges not to live like the unwise, but to live as the wise. And some of the things that they point out that, that the unwise do is that they see and they notice something and, and they recognize something happening, but they continue into it. But wise change their direction. They change their habit. They change their way. I put it like this. I, I like making analogies and doing all this kind of stuff, but um, metaphors, if you will. Picture a man uh, or myself, right? I wake up. And every day I walk down the street and I, I the first day I, I'm, I'm walking down the street and I fall into this really deep hole. Boom. Right? I get up. I'm okay. Didn't break a leg. Thought I did. I can move. I'm all good. And I'm looking up and man, this is horrible. How am I going to get out? Right? So I spent time. I'm yelling for help. Nobody's around. I finally, after hours and hours of struggle, spend about five or six hours crawling out of this hole and getting to my destination. Oh my gosh, that was horrible. Next day I wake up, cruise out the door, 
bam, fall back in the hole again. Ah, I should remember this hole. I struggle and I yell and nobody's coming. But this time, it takes me just a little less time to get out. Third day, I wake up, cruise out, bam, fall in the hole again. By this time, I'm feeling dumb, but I've figured out how to get out of the hole. I've got little handholds in there, right? And now I can get out pretty quick. And after about two weeks of this, I run into some really wise person, mostly my wife, who says, Jeff, next time you walk out of the door, just go to the other side of the street. There's no holes over there. And I figure out it's a lot easier just to go over there. Now, wise people, from the very beginning, you fall in the hole, you get out, you figure out, okay, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to change positions. I'm going to go the other way. But a fool's folly always takes them back to the same thing repeatedly. And when we are sweet sleepwalking through life, we fall into the same things over and over and over again. So awake, you sleepers. If you've got issues with morality, if you struggle with lying, if you struggle with relationships, if you struggle, whatever area you find yourself struggling, there is a clear and better way, but you're going to have to wake up or you're going to keep doing the same thing. I love that scripture, uh, or not the scripture, but the quote of the little kid on the video when he's got the little guy praying by his bed. And sometimes it may not feel like God hears you, but you keep praying because he's hearing you and he's going to change you. If I could just have those little kids come up here and proclaim the gospel, they could do it a lot better than most of us because they don't have the stuff in the way. And here's what it all comes down to. We want to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Don't let the day get the best of you. Don't get, let the people around you get the best of you. Don't let time get away from you. Lord, I would have spent time with you today, but ah, it just got away from me. I, I wanted to call you, but I, life just got ahead of me. My resolution this year is to be real and acknowledge where I'm at and to acknowledge my own junk. And if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna take us to the bottom line of this, is let's be honest, then I'm gonna have to sit and I'm gonna have to say, I'm gonna be honest about the places that I'm broken so that I can honor Him with my life. I'm gonna have to be honest about the places that I can't just behavior modify, but I need a complete renovation. And if I can be honest, then God can tweak probably a couple things in my life that are gonna take me into this year. To see the truth that he has for me. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you right now and I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. I thank you for your mercy and the fact that you never give up on us. Lord, I thank you uh, for your faithfulness to, to listen to us and to hear the struggles that we're in. To watch us, to look over us. And in this moment, Lord, we just come before you and we recognize that there are so many things that sometimes stand in the way of our real resolutions, what they need to be because we've forgotten your resolve. We've tried to be in charge and we've tried to make it about us. So Lord, our commitment as a church this year is to let go. 
To let you be God, to let you run the show, and to let you do the things that you're going to do. And we're going to participate at the level that you allow us entry. Father, I thank you for your goodness. And just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just a thought. If you're here tonight and you're thinking, you know, Jeff, I got a lot of stuff. This is pretty deep. And you're feeling that tension in your heart of feeling like you're just, I want to do this, but there's so much, like there's so many things. I just can't do that. Then let me call you to a point of true salvation where you say, God, you are in control. The things that I declared, the goodness of God who will never leave us or forsake us, who will resolve uh, to guide and direct our every step, who promises a future and a hope, who meets our needs according to his riches of glory, to pick us up when we fall and be our advocate when we struggle, to finish the work that he began in us. That is the God that we serve. And I want to declare that tonight in this place to say, you can be real. Because he has resolved to have your back every step of the way. Be honest. Let God resolve in you. And if you have not found a place with the Lord where you have made him God. You've said you can be in charge. You are in charge of my life. Then tonight before you leave this place. Talk to me, talk to somebody around a table and say, this is what I really want to see God do. I want to really change. So God, we submit to you tonight. We are yours. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.